0: In fact, why don't we just use this as the open? Okay, ready, open. <laughs> and that was it. Conclusion.
1: <laughs> don't get off on a tangent. Hey, Eric, yeah. do you hear about the guess what? You don't have to pay your student loans back again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they heard uh, your I'm, complaints. Biden. I'm heard, sure they Biden heard saw em. your tweets, and he was like, "You know what? He's right."
0: Because that's how he understands a smartphone, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, speaking of Biden... He follows a one person
1: from every state on his Twitter account, and then that's how he determines what his policy decision should be. You're the one from California,
0: so you should feel pretty lucky. That might actually be a good system if it was selected at random.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if it'd be a good system if it was selected at random. It's way too small system. a sample size.
0: <laughs> just fifty people, like you get elected and you go to the White House.
1: Like at like least the senators duty. have two per state.
0: <laughs> no, no, you have, but you just bring them all in and they're fighting over watching Seinfeld or Friends or Martin in between. Like when you're meeting with you know whoever else, when you're firing generals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be a good. That would be a good system.
1: To find that beginning That came up for everything Like kids with Dakotas Discover
0: Biden and cell phones did you see that Jonas Brothers like TikTok thing no that he was in so there's this thing on TikTok which I don't have TikTok you can ask TC all of the uh you know new trends okay um but there's you know the concept is like somebody will make a video and then somebody else can like take the sound out of it and use that for their video okay because it's it started from the musically kind of thing where it was just lip syncing songs. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't get about the Zoomer generation is their infatuation with sincerity. It creeps me out. <laughs> like <laughs> they're one hundred percent sincere when they lip sync to stuff. Well, it creeps me out. They
1: just haven't. It's it's. I I feel that they're just so um, soaked in cynicism. <laughs> by 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 the rest of us that they have to find one thing that they can hold on to as like one piece of sincerity in this world (laughs) that's the only thing they have
0: it certainly makes sense from kind of a generational trajectory like gen x was very apathetic right so then millennials were more okay well we can have apathy but we'll mix in irony to at least be funny Mm -hmm. and then um and then Gen Z is like why would you not just love each other <laughs> right. and like,
1: it the the irony isn't nearly as funny when you're you you know that uh, the world's going to end during your generation's lifetime so you have to yeah, find something so. to, to to make a to have some sort of human connection and maybe that's <laughs> slip syncing.
0: but but the whole thing with the Jonas brothers is they did this one where they were pretending to be at the white house or whatever and they're like It's essentially kind of like a pro-vax, pro-Biden spin on this section of audio that this other guy did in, I think, like Staten Island or on maybe Coney Island. I can't remember. Some New York place. But James Comey Island. (laughs) At the end of it, they're like, did we get it? In a very, you know, sincere way. And then Biden is the one taking the video. Oh. Is the joke. But... The, the problem I have with it, am I the only one here that feels like the audio... People who are listening will understand. The audio that they're using is interviews this guy is taking from like homeless people or people with severe mental faculty issues. And that is something that is just weird to me that people are like... Uh, there's like this return to bum fights or something. Yeah, with this audio—it's
1: real weird. Like, do you remember? This is early internet days, like during threebrain dot com and bomb's World and all that stuff. But there was like um, some kind of uh, group of people who had different kind of mental health disabilities and physical disabilities that were all part of some thing in New York, like some you know it was like a. Uh, some sort of house or place where they all went to school together and they like did a slam poetry thing night you know for all these kids to like come up with their own little poems and do like a slam poetry style deal and it Mm -hmm. was meant to be like wow look these kids are able to express themselves and you know let's wrap our arms around them so that they feel included and there's like this whole inclusive environment but because it was very early net internet that thing leaked onto the internet kind of the same time as the Pam and Tommy video and it became like one of the very first memed things that I remember where like everyone was just always making jokes about these poor kids with mental disabilities and making fun of their slam poetry that the video had leaked. And it was just like, everyone made fun of it. It was like high school at the time in like the late nineties. So it was cool to make fun of like mentally handicapped people. But uh, I I remember being cringy about it back then. And like recently some of those videos, like, resurfaced from the old internet that i saw and it like put me in back like a really weird place like i could i was like i couldn't even really watch all the way through it because i remember all the uh the 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 bad humor that came out of it from back when we were kids
0: yeah i the e-bombs world that i remember the first like i think i probably found e-bombs world right after 9-11 so it was i probably missed that but um then it was way more you know you're playing like the the flash game where you're you're george w bush in the oval office shooting pert people coming into <laughs> like the like do you do you remember this game
1: no. I remember it, it was, a lo- I remember a lot of old Flash games, but most of them are related to uh well, I guess going back to one year ago today when we talked about the end of Flash and uh Strong Bad, uh Oh, right, right. com was going down because it was a totally Flash-based site and Flash ended like a year ago, last week or something.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, well this I mean all the e-bombs world probably Maybe not directly on Evans, but those those related ones were uh no doubt not not racially uh um intelligent, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it was that was kinda of the time I think that was more the humor um that was circulating, but certainly yeah.
1: Just when it had was had cool, for, were... it was just open season for marginalizing anyone f- from Arab descent for like a right. decade. Like we could, we could do whatever we want. Like you could do whatever you want to those people. You would say whatever you want, mock their religion, all of it. It's it's all fair game. Yeah. We we lost two buildings.
0: <laughs> that, that that got people to <laughs> sign up for the military too. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, great outcome there. <clears throat> well. Um, in the festive spirit of holidays, first off, um, I I told you Happy Yule. You mm-hmm. didn't have to say anything back. That's fine. You don't celebrate, but I just wanted to spread the cheer. Happy um,
1: Solstice, yesterday. Yes,
0: I had some pork, which is custom, so that was nice. Did you count uh, down the
1: the the shortest hours of the day? <laughs> no look I the day's gone already walk. guys we counted it down it's kind of like new years <laughs> but for the shortest day
0: yeah I guess that would have been fun but no <laughs> did not have any any mockery of you your... didn't
1: queue up uh Avengers Endgame so like the snap happens right when the sun goes down on the on the winter solstice for the shortest day so it all synced up you know I'm a DC guy oh no no Eric <laughs> Oh no, this is the end of the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just kidding, I'm neither. <laughs> uh, So Josh wanted to uh, bring it back to our Christian roots hmm. and do a 12 Days of Holiday festival, festival one. So uh-huh. It'll come out on Christmas Eve, so you can listen to it as you're taping up your finger that you've sliced open on a cardboard box that you were wrapping.
1: Or maybe you're you maybe you're baking some pies with your family. Yes, multiple pies. Mm-hmm. For a pie pie eating contest in the morning. The Christmas pie eating contest that you have with your family. It's a tradition.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um boy, okay. We won't go off on that. So <clears throat> uh we're gonna be counting down twelve different um I guess quick hits, kind of follow-up things that we had from related to either this last year or different episodes we've done. How's that sound? That's what I prepared for. So if you say no to this, then...
1: Uh, Yeah, that sounds like we could do that show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on
0: board. Okay, good. Uh, I'm glad you accept your own idea. All right. Well, are we counting 12 to 1 or... Uh, let's just see if we get twelve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then we'll count up because if we count down, I'll not know how many left we have. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, well, then my number one, my first one, actually. Okay. Um. So, last summer, uh, when we were stuck inside, I decided to start growing plants. Ah. And the avocado is an elusive plant, right? Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to kind of just have an avocado tree.
1: And you don't have Uh, any giant sloths to help you.
0: No, I don't. I just have my, my own excrement. So (laughs) I, (laughs) I was able to take the avocado seeds from just avocados bought at the store. And I like, you know, planted them in water, like the way that you do, you'd put toothpicks in and all that kind of stuff. Um, I only got two to really sprout. And then as I was moving them one time, one of the seeds fell out and cracked open on the ground. So that was the end of that. Oh no. But then I started having one grow and I put it in some dirt and it was growing slowly. uh, And then a bird came and ate it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it was just missing the stalk and I couldn't bring myself to throw it away. And then a few days later, maybe a week or two, another sprout started coming up. Uh, So I nicknamed it Chomp. Um, That's the plant's name. And it has now flourished into, I think it has about 20 leaves on it. But we also got a flowering uh, plant from like the place that we bought a lemon tree a few years ago, or maybe like a year ago when we were talking about the debt.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So I got in my own debt cycle of needing to give them treats because they gave us free veggies and all that kind of stuff (laughs) well we bought a plant from there and i'm gonna blame it on the plant because it was also on our patio but i noticed another leaf yesterday that had the same affliction my avocado plant is now infested with a fungus Mm. and uh, it seems like the septoria leaf spot but it's got brown dots all over it and yesterday i noticed a white like spore stalk coming out of one of the leaves
1: Mm. So so does that mean you need to like plant it in actual ground so it can like hook up to a different mycelial network instead of this invasive fungus uh
0: well apparently this type of fungus is pretty common for tomato plants um so there's quite a few you know a fruit bearing thing is going to have a lot of solutions and there's like a if I get copper based fungicide, it should take care of it but the the treatment says to cut off the affected leaves and it's all of the leaves uh, so
1: I don't think I can do that that would that might be a death sentence, although it did come back already once,
0: yeah it's now like like two feet tall, so I don't know I don't know if that's i don't know, but that's my that's my fungus quick hit, so I'm now experiencing. In real time, dealing with an invasive fungus.
1: <laughs> well, good job, Eric. That 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 was a nice quick hit to hit us off. I'll say, I'll say it was really great. Wow! Thank you. Wow! <laughs> oh, double! You got two wows. Two wows.
0: For <laughs> Are that you needing one. to to pause it so it doesn't loop? <laughs> no, I wanted
1: to give you two.
0: Oh, okay. Two out you of had, one. You had
1: two plants. It was, it, one's for the one that was lost and one's for the one that's still h- hanging on.
0: A moment of wow for the <laughs> plants we've lost along the way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. <clears throat> All right, so my turn. I guess my first quick hit is going to be, I'll go science. My science ones first. Uh. You know, we talked about James Webb Space Telescope, and mm-hmm. it got delayed again from the last time we talked So now it's supposed to be launching on the 25th. It's a special Christmas present for everyone in the world. We're going to launch a space telescope. And this morning, they opened the giant bay doors at the rocket launch facility and slid out the huge Ariane rocket with the James Webb telescope mounted to the top. And it's sliding out of the big... uh, housing facility and it's making its way along the track to the launch pad right now as we speak to do its pre-launch checks tomorrow and then they will launch it first thing in the morning on christmas day so we are going to actually uh, get this thing in the air that we've been talking about since the first ep- <laughs> like the first episode of this podcast almost two years ago <clears throat> so uh, are
0: you are you nervous?
1: I Are am. You? I'm. I'm pretty nervous because just the Murphy's law of how this whole thing has gone so far makes me think that it's probably going to blow up in the sky <laughs> at launch. I, I, I'm. I'm way overly, you know, uh, weighing those concerns into the probability. So I, I know the probability of that happening is like less than one thousandth of one percent, but in my mind it's like a 50-50 proposition <laughs> that it's just going to blow up on the launch pad um, but no uh, it's 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 pretty exciting uh, cuz like we talked about on the episode a few weeks ago like there's a whole lot of predictions about what we're going to learn from the James Webb t- telescope because we have a whole lot of like on the edges of our discovery things we were able to see through Hubble and through previous uh, space telescopes that we have out at the LaGrange points and stuff like that. So we have like some expectations of what we're going to see. But the true um, you, the true nature of the thing, the true um, thing that makes it so interesting and exquisite is all the stuff that we can't even possibly imagine that we're about to find out. Um, and I was just being nostalgic and going back and reading one of the first articles i had ever read about james webb from a few years ago and um it compares it very much to when galileo was using his uh you know one centimeter (laughs) refractive lens and his first telescope and he was looking at jupiter and all of a sudden just out of nowhere like his description is that four moons just popped into existence because no one had ever seen them before and it was like the first time any human had ever actually put eyes on actual moons orbiting jupiter and it, so think of it very similarly to like when uh, the 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 native peoples of america first saw uh columbus or or any of the ships coming over from europe and they had no like mental capacity to understand contextually what a ship was like that so who knows what their mind you know was seeing when they were seeing that image but we're about to have experiences like that again and it's been a really long time since us as human beings have had any of those types of aha big grand moments of oh my god we've just discovered like new things that we couldn't have possibly imagined existed so that's what i'm really excited about so
0: by describing them as popped into existence, like, uh, does he describe them as like he just finally noticed them or like he wasn't even looking for them? And then he's like, wait, there's something there.
1: Yeah, he had like there wasn't a concept. There wasn't a concept that there could possibly be moons orbiting this thing they call Jupiter. And then they yeah. appeared when he finally got the lenses correct on his telescope to be able to see that close. And so it was very much like uh, reality just just appeared. Like the the yeah, re- yeah. the nature of reality appeared for the first time to him. It was no longer conjecture. There was a thing that happened that he saw with his real eyeballs that no one had ever seen before. That we are yeah, going we're to- about to have those experiences again, which is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. It is exciting. I need to look up if there's like a interviews or documentaries on the hubble deep field stuff i'm sure there's something oh yeah um but i'm sure that was that was also because i've heard some scientists talk about it before but kind of after people knew about it so Mm -hmm. that'll be exciting uh if it works i was trying to look up while you're talking vegas betting odds
1: Oh, it's, is there any James Webb betting odds to see if it blows up? Can you get like a thousand to one for blow up in the sky?
0: <laughs> I there there was a link, but it wasn't it, it timed out. So oh. stay tuned.
1: Okay. Well, there we go with quick hit number two. James Webb Space Telescope launches on Christmas Day, guys. Hopefully, it doesn't get delayed between now and when it launches and when you hear this. <gasps>
0: that would be bad number three uh this was a recent article i kind of just skimmed i mentioned this on like the solo episode that i don't have like rabbit holes that i continue to go down Mm. but i was skimming recent kind of science articles to see what might have related to stuff we've talked about and this one sort of talks about like the yellow so yellowstone stuff um But there's some evidence that uh, humans might have been in America over thirty-three thousand years ago. Mm. So we're uh, pushing it back close to to
1: like when humans show up in Australia, or like ten thousand years after humans show up in Australia.
0: Yeah, really far back. um, There was some bones found in a cave in Mexico, and these bones were found like in the '60s. Uh and they had originally carbon dated them to be between like thirteen thousand and nine thousand years old uh which is aligns with kind of how people scientists believe that humans arrived in the in the on the continents i guess- mm-hmm. and um they recently redated them and they appeared to be over thirty thousand years old Ah. so <clears throat> the the bones they found were like sharpened into tools and stuff like that so uh, it's pretty cool but the other thing is that there's tools that date to about 30,000 years old then there are other tools and um i don't know just this almost kind of pottery stuff or whatever that dates to about 12,000 years old so it seems that people like went to this cave system and lived there for a bit, but then left. uh They think it was when the last ice age peaked between twenty six thousand and nineteen thousand and years ago. So the people probably left that area and then people happened to come back and resettle in the same cave system mm. like 12,000 years ago, which is pretty cool. Like, there's no way that that story lasted that many years that people knew, oh, we'll return there one day. Um, so it's kinda kind of interesting that people just happen to find the same like cave spot,
1: yeah, I guess it's um well and if you have like similar migration patterns, there's probably gonna be like lots of word of mouth. And like, we know this area is got a lot of grazing animals, which make it easy to hunt. We know this area is, got, is great for fish. We know this area is where a lot of our people died because we thought we could pass the mountains right there. And turns out you can't pass the mountains right there. So don't go to that mountain pass. Whatever you do, avoid that cre- that crevice in the mountains. We all died there. So there, there's probably like A lot of uh, sort of landmarking type of things that you have when people are using like similar migrations. And if they're if they're like is theorized, it's not one massive thing, but they're coming over in small bands and flows over over many, many, many generations. Then there's probably even like cross pollination between groups where. You know, okay, this is where our friend groups they go and they hang out here. This is where the enemy groups go. Avoid these places because they'll steal all our women and you know all that type of stuff.
0: yeah, um hopefully, hopefully, we can live long enough to spread some of that, that
1: well, it's, noise? <laughs> it's like when we, well, it's like when we uh talked about the Yellowstone deal, like the big obsidian rock cliff. Like, that was uh, part of, uh, you know, vocal tales that uh, tribal people all over North America knew about. And they would, like, pilgrim to go get the obsidian there to make their arrowheads and stuff. And then that stuff was, like, traded from coast to coast between the peoples. So, like, obviously, they knew to go to Yellowstone area to get this glass that they could make yeah. really sharp tools out of and that and they knew that information for like 10,000 years and used that and shared that information with each other
0: yeah that's true uh, so it is it's pretty wild but if if humans have been here for 33,000 years that's that's a long time <laughs> it is I mean that's like more than a thousand times how long I've been alive, you know? Yeah. Just think of it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I guess that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to live a thousand times longer. Well, What's go- my sounder? There we go. Here you go. Ooh. You got an ooh right, for that so one.
0: The same as the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, yeah. They're just you as impressed with that one.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so uh, my no, number four. Number four, I... uh I thought we could break away from the science for a little bit because I used to do music podcasts on here with Machine. We haven't done it in a while. We should probably do it because there's been a lot of new music that's come out recently. Um, But there were three big albums that I... Or not big albums. Three awesome albums that came out this last year that I think... Well, one of them kind of uh, hit the mainstream and I was really happy for the Turnstile Boys that they finally, like got a lot of recognition this last year because this their album that just came out was really great but before we play some turnstile music i wanted to play a track off of the new every time i die record every time i die is a uh hardcore punk hardcore band from buffalo new york um they've been around a long time since like i was in high school so uh they they've gone through some recent drama you know when brothers are in bands together, there's always going to be drama, and you know brothers hating brothers and wanting to kill each other is the oldest story, oldest story known to man. You know, going back to Cain and Abel. So uh, there's always going to be some disagreements and some things that cause the band to potentially break apart. But because they're also brothers, they they can they can still come back together and hug it out. So even though uh, it it got a little messy here at the end of the tour for this year um oh no and they thought this was
0: like recent recent drama yeah and they
1: thought that the whole band was going to break up they did uh they they got they they sort of settled their disagreements and they got back together to have a big uh christmas show last weekend so looks like things are back on the mend but i did want to play um one of my favorite tracks off of this uh new record it's called planet shit And uh, if you listen to our podcast where we talk about climate change and how no one wants to really do anything about it, um, this song is pretty relevant to that. So wake up to some every time I die.
2: Can't denial, it's sad. so we part across the bridge. Oh.
1: through your spine has good people on both sides. <laughs> ooh, no, ooh! the song's great just because it's so uh, matter of fact. There, he Keith doesn't really uh, mince words when he really wants to go after a topic on his in his lyrical content. I know that he's screaming a lot, so it's tough to tell. But uh, you know, he's he's calling for some rope to to hang the people that won't do anything about the climate. And he says, or better yet, let's just get the guillotine. And then uh, the the big refrain is, "Our only chance at life is your suicide." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he gets it. I think he gets like the the dire nature <laughs> with where we're at right now. We it's no it's no more times for like platitudes or playing nice with people's feelings when it comes to this type of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, as I mentioned to uh, you and Justin when. You were talking about this album. Uh I politically, I'm very interested in like the hardcore scene because it seems like it's got some pretty good stuff. I just the in the music, I'm I'm fine with like the sound and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just the lyrics. I can I can't hear clear rap lyrics. Like <laughs> like when it's when there's no like. Up and down in in I don't know uh, notes or whatever like just words in a song I cannot hear for yeah. whatever reason <laughs> uh, so yeah it's it's just so difficult because that's kind of like the bridge that I feel because like I I don't you know uh, in my ripe old age I don't just have like anger built up inside so like the the mosh pit also I swear to God I was looking up like just how to mosh pit because i'm like how do you even (laughs) how do people even do that where's the youtube help
1: video of how to do it (laughs) but the
0: thing that's frustrating is i can't tell if they're being sarcastic or not in their instructional videos um (laughs) so that's also difficult but you
1: show up at a show and start doing the steps they told you in the video and they're like oh my god this guy actually took the psa on how to mosh seriously (laughs) What a dork! Yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's not like I'm even interested in doing it. I just want to understand the the mechanics of a mosh pit, <laughs> but that's like the the hump that's difficult for me to get over. So that's uh, maybe we need to maybe I need to be a guest on your uh, music podcast and you can teach me music or something because I've got a few bands that I like um, that are non-electronic music that I can understand what they're saying, but it's, you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. We'll have to go to a show, um, you know, maybe when this pandemic ends, <laughs> like it's ever going to end. Um, uh, yeah, but the, the, the joy of just aimlessly throwing your body into other people's bodies, it's pretty amazing. And, and, Just knowing that you're going to bounce off of those people and then they're going to shove you and then you're going to be bounced off of another big group of people and they're going to shove you. And then a bunch of people are going to get shoved into you and so then you're going to have to shove them all back. There is like a... It got talked about a lot after Astroworld and Travis Scott and the people dying in Houston. Um, But there is like very... Um, scientific studies on crowd dynamics, and this goes back a long time, like there was like mosh pit studies done where they just basically identify, instead of having people, you simulate a space and you have these little dots inside the space and you apply different characteristics to the dots, like some dots are like frenetic, and some dots want to stay out to the edge of the perimeter and some dots want to like get as close as they can to the stage and that like follows a... um, no matter like how you put the different variables in for the little dots representing people it ends up following almost like fluid dynamics when you get enough people Mm -hmm. in the space like it doesn't matter whatever your individual movement is the group gets a fluid dynamic nature to the physics of the group moving together and so there's like a there's been some studies on like the the prime, the correct size for a mosh pit where like you get like all the fun of moshing without any of the danger. And then like the edge at which, okay, there's not enough there's too many people. And if there's too many people, then people are going to get trampled and hurt. And then if there's not enough people, that can also cause people to get hurt because if you now you have a lot of momentum to like run and push somebody, that can cause a lot more physical damage than if you're like kind of pinned up against people and all you can do is kind of extend your arms to shove up against people you can't like you know give your yeah, full yeah. strength to like shoving some kid to the ground <laughs> especially because people are like vulnerable in those positions if it's
0: like if it's tight are you giving you're not giving your full strength right it's more just kind of like adding some motion but it's not yeah yeah
1: and you know you're getting your finding your leverage in your legs and it's kind of like using your shoulders to move people around and then there'll be like a circle pit will open up which that's like the coolest part of it when like there's a big group of people and everyone's like shoulder to shoulder and then there's like a group of people that really want to go off and so like a little circle will open up in the middle of the mosh pit where there'll be just the uh just the few that really want to go hard will get in the circle and then everyone on the perimeter of the circle keeps shoving like those 3 or 4 people in back at each other kind of like a you kind of like a, a wrestling match or a, or a street fight or something you know but they're not actually uh-huh. fighting they're just like slamming themselves into each other when they when they hit each other and stuff like that but then like i do i would have a lot of fun doing stuff where i kind of do uh, unexpected trust falls in the in the mosh pit. <laughs> so I know like a cool spot of the song's about to come up and I'll time it where I'll just like fall backwards. And I know there's, you know, 80 people behind me. So all of a sudden I just let go and my weight just all falls back onto those people and then they shove me <laughs> back forward. Um, and then of course you can get the cool stuff like crowd surfing and things like that. But I think that's... I don't think I would do that anymore. Just because the fear of getting dropped on my head is too much nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah. Man, that's it sounds so interesting, but um, you know, the shows that I would go to, electronic shows, it was if anybody was following falling, it was because they had uh taken too much ecstasy. So, <laughs> so Equilibrium bit vibe. off. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So now we've done four. We've done four. Oh wait, I forgot to I forgot to play a sounder. Wow!
0: Okay, three, there you seven, go. One, two, three, four, five. So five.
1: Yep, we're we're at the halfway point.
0: This one is a more serious one that blew up on Twitter. That um, I was afraid you were going to cover this one in your in your stuff, uh, but tardigrades being quantumly entangled.
1: Okay, I saw a little blurb about this. Uh, I think it was on Quantum Magazine, maybe. But yeah, I, I have not read the story.
0: Well, uh, of course, you get all of the you know Forbes and everything that were commenting on it, that tardigrades become the first biological creatures to be quantumly entangled and blah, blah, blah. So I looked into the science of it, and uh, the consensus of most quantum physicists is they weren't quantumly entangled uh, but it is kind of an interesting concept so what they did is they created like a a qubit and um i'm not great at explaining any of this so this is going to be very top level but a qubit is just a quantum bit yes thank you <laughs> a quantum i didn't bit. want you were
1: using the slang i didn't want you to already lose all of the people <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so in in regular computing you have a bit, and a bit is a zero or a one, and then in quantum computing you have a qubit and it uses the quantum mechanics understanding of like sort of superposition so that it is both a zero and a one at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh which doesn't make sense to me how computing would work in that way, but whatever.
1: The idea um, is to uh you get a whole lot more space with way fewer resources whereas like right now you have to assign uh, like you have to have enough space to handle all the ones and zeros so there's a limiting to there's a limit to the top level of like storage and ram and what you can do with computing power but if you have a quantum system your power is somewhat unlimited because you have the flexibility of not having to store all of that information in order to make it work all the information right. is now flexible to become any information sort of like stem cells or something like that you know it they, they can be anything
0: which it still doesn't quite make sense how if it's both a zero and a one that relates to any sort of information but um but that's that's what it is and from the from the team, like this is from the paper, or this is from a summary from Life Science. But I also looked at the actual paper. The team placed they they collected three tardigrades from like a gutter, because <laughs> uh, tardigrades are just everywhere.
1: Everywhere you probably got them on you right now.
0: Yeah, tardigrades are also they're like those moss piglet is the one word, and what's the other one? Water bear. Water
1: bear. Uh, water water piglet and moss bear
0: (laughs) a while ago and uh they're the ones that they can go into like the ton state if if situations get way too tough like there's not enough water or whatever and then they essentially just become like a speck of dust and they can last that way for some reports are like decades um or some studies are and they've been in the vacuum of space and all that kind of stuff Uh, and then been brought back to life so they collected these three tardigrades uh they froze them and then they the team placed this is just the direct quote so i don't get it wrong placed each frozen tardigrade between two capacitor plates of a superconductor circuit that formed a quantum bit when the tardigrade came into contact with the qubit named qubit b it shifted the qubit's resonant frequency That tardigrade-qubit hybrid was then coupled to a second nearby circuit, qubit A, so that the two qubits became entangled. Over several tests that followed, the researchers saw that the frequency of both qubits and the tardigrade changed in tandem, resembling a three-part entangled system. Okay. So, the entangled thing, just as a recap, is whenever particles interact and... From a lot of studies, it seems like if they just interact in almost any way, then they are entangled, and that means whenever like you test the spin of one, if you tested it and it is spin up, then the other one, 100% of the time, is spin down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't um, matter how
1: close those two entangled particles are. You can move them on opposite sides of the universe and no matter what, they will instantaneously have the opposite characteristic of each other. Whenever you yes. measure and them, yes. And
0: did you say instantaneously too? Yeah, because there's no like uh, transfer of information to the other one, right? And uh, through like the Bell's Bell's conjecture or whatever, um, they found that it also doesn't have like hidden information that this one knows it's going to be up, and so that one knows it's going to be down whenever they're. They interact. Um, so, the way that it works out is it's essentially one continuous system. It beca- whenever they entangle, it's essentially one wave function. So, that's why it's almost like a conservation of energy kind mm-hmm. of thing. One is going to be up and the other one's definitely going to be down because that's how you conserve, you know, kind of the momentum and all that sort of stuff. So, they tested this and the frequency changed on the one qubit. And then the tardigrade was able to change the frequency on the other qubit in, I guess, like the opposite way or whatever. So one was a zero, and then one was a one at the end of it. Um, but there's there's been some, you know, debunking because this was it's not a published paper, it's not peer reviewed yet. Mm-hmm. It's like a pre published site that published it. Um, and this guy that's the department chair of physics at Rice. Uh, In his blog, he wrote about it and just said that the tardigrade is mostly frozen water and here acts like a dielectric shifting the resonance frequency of one qubit that is that it sat on. So he's saying it's not entanglement in any meaningful sense. But the thing that the paper sort of uh, parades as their discovery is out of the three, two of them died, but they were able to bring one back to life. Okay. Um, And. Uh, Bohr's had said that living creatures were never going to like be able to be entangled. Yeah, quantum so,
1: re- quantum entanglement for their individual. Well, that that's an interesting question too. Does a tardigrade, being as small as it is, being put next to a qubit, does the tardigrade serve as the measuring device? you know like when we talk about the double slit and Schrodinger and Mm -hmm. stuff like no matter where you put the camera like if you put the camera observing another camera of the camera like you can get your observations as far removed as you can but the mere act of the observation causes the superposition to happen the measurement so Mm -hmm. us we are a measuring device when we're looking at the tardigrade but is the tardigrade also a measuring device on the quantum system? Like, does the tardigrade serve as its own camera? Does that count as a measurement? Because the tardigrade has eyes, it has, you know, spatial awareness. Does its awareness of the environment constitute a measurement that collapses a superposition? That would be my the other big question I would have.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... The only thing that you could say that how it's not like actively measuring is because this is like happening at just a few degrees above absolute zero. Okay. Because quantum computer computers have to be so cold, uh, so it's totally frozen. So it's it's life, you know, its metabolism is essentially zero. Um, so I don't know. It is kind of a, I mean, a measuring device is it's not necessarily like the the conscious act of measuring or whatever it's because the cameras you would need to observe like the particles going through the double slit experiment would need to be firing beams that are affecting right that particle. So it's, it's more like not that we're getting footage of it. It's that it's shooting stuff that interacts with that particle and causes it to act like a, a single point or whatever. So maybe it's something like that, that just because of the interaction, it's causing this change, but it, it then relayed the information. Mm-hmm. So now it's almost a question of if you took those photons or whatever they used to measure in the double slit experiment, if you, if those were then quantumly entangled with those particles that they observed, um, I don't know. It's kind of, it is like something that it's like, does this go to this then?
1: Right, right. Like, what are the controls? Like, I or I guess is I. The implication would not be that I can now quantumly entangle my pet cat (laughs) with. with, I can take my two cats and quantumly entangle them, like they took two tardigrades and quantumly entangled them. Because at some point, if I'm not putting it absolute zero in like a near death hibernated state, the cat becomes a measuring device in and of itself it it affects the system by using its own eyeballs and taking in photon like it's affecting the system too you know yeah
0: i don't know it's it's a weird one but it's like the i think the thing that the paper is trying to say is like uh like this guy at rice was saying you could do the exact same thing with a speck of dust okay and you would get like the same results but the paper is like yeah but we brought the speck of dust back to life. So it is, <laughs> you know, so it's, it is, it's kind of cool, but it's also like, I, you know, there's no meaningful data that you can translate by quantumly entangling a, a tardigrade, but there's also no meaningful information right now that entanglement
1: can really uh, transcribe. All right. I'll give, oh, we'll, let's we'll give this one this. Ooh. Keep getting ooze. I'll give you a double oo. Now ooh. Hey, you got two. You got two for because there were two tardigrades. Or actually, there are three. Ooh. There, there you and go. Two of them died. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so that's the quantum. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. We're we're almost able to quantumly entangle living creatures, guys. It's pretty pretty cool. Um. Okay. So. For my next one, I'll do one more music, and then I'll go and do a science one, and we'll finish with music. How about that? Um, So, second musical offering. Um, This one is from my favoriteest artist in the whole world ever, uh, Laura Jane Grace. uh, um, Front person for the band Against Me, punk band Against Me. From Gainesville, Florida. She lives in Chicago. She's been sort of stuck in Chicago throughout the entire two years of the pandemic. And so she released a short uh, seven track album a couple months ago. And they're all good songs, especially if uh, you're trying to relate with your sort of isolated pandemic experience. Um, It's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, the one song I wanted to play, though, was one that uh, really touched me when I first heard it just because it was so so haunting. It's not a, it's not a long song or anything, but I'll play it for you see if, uh see what you guys think. Again, this is Laura Jane Grace. The album is At War With The Silverfish. And uh, the song is called Smug Fuckface. Can't remember our last cigarette Can't remember our last kiss Don't know how I'm gonna win this war But I know I'm on for fighting it Some nights I dream myself far away from me Some nights I dream you'd still wanna hold me near. Wake up changed but everything remains the same Past behind us, all our choices made I am no arbiter of that faith Hey you, sitting there with your smart-fucked face Will anything ever be good again? If I was kind, would you drop your defense? If I was kind, would it make any difference? If I was kind, would it earn your forgiveness? I'll fuck it all Let's just forget about it Short and sweet Short and sweet But I thought that, like, summed up a lot of, uh My, uh it's very a very succinct way of summing up some of my emotions Over the last two years <laughs> Of, like, <laughs> just not even remembering, like, uh what uh, what it was like to hang out with friends like outside at, at bars and just get into shenanigans where you're all breathing on each other and hanging over all over each other and stuff. It's uh I, I it's it's tough. It's it's weird. It's like uh to to get back though to get back some of those past memories of what things were like is it's almost like they're tough to grab grab onto anymore. So I thought that was a nice little bit of nostalgia, sorrowful nostalgia for everyone.
0: It's got to be weird for people with kids during all of this. Because, like, beforehand, you were used to witnessing your kids sort of growing up and, like, having them not around for most of the day. Mm -hmm. And then they were, like, developing their own personality. And then now you're watching them either turn into you, I would assume, or, uh, like i don't know that's got to be a weird a weird trip although schools i guess are open again which is you know fantastic that's that's exactly (laughs) what what should be happening
1: yeah the uh i I think even the some of the more interesting stuff is like the people who've had kids that the kids have only really had any conscious awareness during the last two years Yeah, like like TC and Megan and Jake and Kristen and my um, my brother and and my sister, they've all had you know kids that were born just before the pandemic started, and so the whole time, pretty much, those kids' lives all they've known is like just being at home and like no real play dates. Maybe you go to daycare or to school a little bit, but it's not like even if you're going. You know, for a little bit of preschool and things, it's not the same as it was before, and I—that's I, just the weird thing where you have all of the adults and the parents and even like the older siblings of those kids that are telling them, "Oh man, you know, you don't like—we have to wear these masks to school all day, and it's so terrible." But they don't have any like alternate experience to know that having to wear a mask at school all day is like some sort of terrible thing like that's all they know so i don't know if it's really damaging like their psyche versus if they had like existed for 12 years and then they had to do this for the last two years like that maybe that's more damaging to have to be in like this less socialized uh no facial cue type of existence especially with your peers and your teachers and people you're having to respect and you know different situations but if you if you're like a three year old kid, I don't know how really uh, messed up you feel over the whole deal because you have no relative experience to tell you that this is odd. <laughs> this is just what yeah. is your normal. Well, I mean,
0: other other cultures use masks at schools all the time. So mm-hmm. it, it like before this, so it's not even like uh, you could say. I mean, of course, anyone in America is going to say that it's like destroying their their children or whatever it's like no you're (laughs) they're fine like i don't know it's i do know certain people with kids um especially some that might be on like a neurodivergent spectrum are probably like i i've certainly read stories of people saying that their children are like regressing on some things uh over those last couple years but it's also like i don't know i'd rather. I don't have kids but I think I'd rather them like be physically healthy and like trying to work on that stuff but it's also difficult I don't know. Let me give you my uh my let me plug my life advice for parents podcast. Yeah yeah
1: is this is this one of the is this the your your next quick hit or this is just some free free advice? <laughs> this
0: is just some free <laughs> advice yeah.
1: <laughs> Eric's parenting podcast. Be on the lookout for that, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you'll love you'll it. Blowout feed. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> All right, you're All right. up. Man, sorry, this is taking way longer than we expected.
1: No, we're going um, good. We're going good.
0: Josh has a tree he has to cut down. uh So, next up, uh you retweeted this, but I wanted to give the quick note that fusion energy is nearly coming online all right
1: Uh, after after almost a hundred years of working on it
0: (laughs) the what's funny is like we have made way more recent talking experience about fusion energy for uh, unannounced things but we like spoke about this what Over a year, like and a half ago, I feel. Is that (laughs) yeah? I don't remember when
1: the last one when we did the fusion one.
0: I think it was like in the teens of our episodes. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Eater had its final piece delivered, right?
1: Yeah, the international huge giant arcing magnet piece. (laughs) It's so big. It's like it's tough to even visualize it in your brain, like. (laughs) what it takes to put this thing together
0: (laughs) yeah it is the 25 billion dollar multi international it's like what 35 nations yep uh due to begin operation in 2025 and while that's cool um i know the wendelstein has also had like some some progress on things and that's the one that's the stellarator yeah in germany Twists and turns. So the tokamak is like the donut shaped one that it just has it go in a circle and then the stellarators have it kind of twist and turn to try and hold plasma longer. Mm. But there have been advancements in tokamak um stuff, like developments. Uh in Korea, they had their superconducting tokamak advanced research, uh K Star, because again everything has to be an acronym. Mm-hmm. And it was able to hold the 100 million degree plasma for 30 seconds, Um, which is quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not, I mean, very outdone, though. (laughs) Apparently, earlier this year, the Chinese Academy of Sciences uh, set the record of 101 seconds at their experimental advanced superconducting tokamak
1: east uh, <laughs> not the west version wait, this is the eastern <laughs> one
0: uh, and it was able to heat the plasma to 120 million degrees um, so there's some advancements in fusion energy um, can't wait for the oil industry to uh, start their propaganda against this
1: <laughs> what do you guys want free electricity <laughs> That's, it's gonna you be it's gonna to. be like the whole it's gonna be like the student loan conversation. <laughs> like, I've had to pay yeah. for electricity my whole life using fossil fuels. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want the future generations to not have to do that because I worked so hard.
0: <laughs> you know, I was thinking like if we had a say, surely the uh, Jin Psaki would have been fired by now. But she is like the exact thing that the liberals want. Sharing these messages, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Telling people that they're idiots for even thinking that they deserve anything. Yeah. What 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 what, what do you want to
1: like give everyone in America a test? That seems yeah. like a stupid idea. It's not like there's a pandemic.
0: God. Well, at <laughs> least Biden has killed more people than Trump now, so we can finally <sighs> finally admit. I mean, what happened oh, to yeah. that
1: caravan? We don't know what happened to the migrant caravan during the mid the Trump midterms. So I, I don't know. We might we might have to round up all those bodies in some sort of mass grave in in Central America somewhere and put that one on Trump. Unless uh, you're I, unless you're trying to say that the migrant caravan never really existed.
0: Mark my words. By May, you will hear about it.
1: <laughs> They're coming all the way from yeah. South Africa to get through the Texas border, southern border.
0: South Africa?
1: That's what Greg Abbott said when Omicron came oh, out. Really? He's like, this is why we need a border wall on the south border, because we have good intelligence that South Africans are invading the Texas border, and Jeez. they're going to infect us all with Omicron.
0: Why doesn't he just lay a tree down there? <laughs>
1: I, think he's, he, I think he figured out that they built like a big raft bridge all the way from South Africa to... to Mexico.
0: I've seen those, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's how how humans got to Australia.
0: It's got like a giant map that just shows like the Ice Age land bridges. Yep. It's like you see they've constructed using Antarctica's natural cold. That's why he's pro... That's why he's pro-global warming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's tired tired of all this ice messing everything up.
0: The money in his bank account has... It's just a coincidence.
1: <laughs> All right. So, oh yeah, I forgot to give you a sounder for that for that one. Well, we'll what should we do here? Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll double up. Wow! <laughs> you got both of them. You got both. You
0: didn't give yourself a sounder though for the.
1: For oh, the that. Song. Day, oh, I played music. We'll just count that as a sounder for that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, so my my next uh, my last science hit. This one goes back to our dinosaur discussions, because you know we talked about um, the asteroid hitting sixty six million years ago, and we've talked about how like when it comes to geologic time, how we're really good at like approximating things within a few million years of something happening, but. And that, like, classifies as precision when we're talking about, like, geologic prehistoric time, um, when we're trying to figure out a bunch of these things, especially, like, mass extinction events over uh, millennia. So uh, we know that the asteroid probably hit around 66 million years ago based upon the KT boundary and, you know, the big global extinction event and all the evidence that we have in the layers of rock that show a specific event happened around 66 million years ago that wiped out all of these species um we know like we talked about in the episode about where in the um solar system that specific asteroid came from we know how that asteroid got knocked out of its orbit and then fell into a trajectory to where it impacted Earth. We know that there's other asteroids just like it that are sitting there that have the potential to be knocked out of their orbits and fall into the Earth's orbit as well based upon the sequencing of how Jupiter and Saturn orbit the Sun and when they might push these asteroids inward towards us. Um So there's a lot of very specific information that we have, even though we can't really pin down within a few million years of exactly when this rock hit the planet. Um, So one of the uh, one of the interesting things that came out in the last couple months was um, we now we can't tell to the specific year when the asteroid happened. But we know the specific month and season when the asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula.
0: <laughs> really? Is this because there was some holiday lights yes. and some fossils? Or?
1: Yeah, there were holiday fossils. No, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so the answer is that it hit in early June at the beginning, at the end of spring, beginning of the summer seasons at the, in the Gulf of Mexico region of the planet. We don't know what year it was, we just know it was around 66 million years ago, but specifically in June, in between the seasons of spring and summer. And the reason that they can tell this is because um, when you look at the fossils, um, scientists are able to see here, I'll just read, scientists are picking up on clues of what time of the year the 10-kilometer-wide asteroid slammed into the Gulf of Mexico. The key issue, life has seasonal variations. Examples. Elementary Elemental abundances in sturgeon fin bones changed with season as they migrated from the fresh to salty water. Mayfly larvae hatch and feed in the narrow window of that time annually. The conclusion? It looks like the asteroid impacted in late spring, early summer. So because of those fossilized things inside of right at the KT boundary... When you look at the fossilized structures of those sturgeon and of the larva of the insects and things, all of that stuff is frozen in time right at that spring, end of spring, early summer period when those species would make those changes. And that is at the moment when the extinction event happens. So when you find everything dead there, it all is in that sequ- seasonal sequence change from early sp- late spring to early summer. So, even though we can't know exactly the day when the asteroid hit, we have the information to know exactly the season and month when it hit, even though we can't pinpoint the year. That's pretty nuts.
0: <laughs> Are we going to turn this into a holiday?
1: We should. We should have like some like uh like June, June 10th or something like that is the day the ast- the asteroid hit. And the reason a lot of this stuff is important, it's not because scientists were Necessarily looking for information specifically about the day that the dinosaurs died. It's that when you're doing research on large scale extinction events, you're trying to gather as much data as possible because we're going through a mass extinction event right now. We are living through it right now. And so the more clues we can pick up from the fossil record about when things happen and about how um environments change based upon these um seasonal preferences can let us know exactly um how future extinction events are going to happen and potentially which um species are more vulnerable If certain type of cataclysmic things happen at certain times of the year, it's going to be way more bad for these specific types of species versus if it happens like in the wintertime, then maybe there'll be more chances of survival for other species. So that's really why they're looking at that because they're trying to you know uh, amplify that data forward so that we can look at what's going on right now to see where the most vulnerable groups are as we're going through this mass extinction event in our current lifetime
0: um do you think we'll be saved by aliens or do you think they'll witness that and be like these people are too dumb to
1: (laughs) i i don't really buy into the uh alien salvation hypothesis that they're just hanging out waiting for us to uh you know evolve one more step and get our shit together and then they'll reveal themselves because we've uh we've shown that we're uh we're good enough to uh not destroy not destroy our own planet or something like that I, i don't i think if uh I kind of think if aliens wanted to be around or were around, they'd take advantage of the resources and the situation and not be some sort of weird gods that are just waiting for us to get the hint.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I watched the uh, Kurzgesagt video, their last one of the year, talking about the dark jungle of like looking for aliens and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they mentioned that the type of aliens that could exist they would just want to kill anything they saw as potentially threatening which i assume might be uh earth Earth earthbound people right all you have to do is send something the size of a human at 90 to 95 percent the speed of light and that's the same power of impact as all of the nuclear weapons on earth (laughs) at the same time exploding so (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, uh, that that ten kilometer asteroid that wiped out almost all of living creatures sixty six million years ago, it wasn't moving close to this a fraction of the speed of light, but it was moving fast enough that we like we talked about, uh, you know, no creature on the planet, unless they were looking at the specific point in the sky when it entered the atmosphere, actually saw the thing hit. It was so it melted the atmosphere, it ripped all the way through it and made impact in a split second like that there was no slow motion movie sequence of it slowly impacting the planet and everyone looking up and being like oh no what's that in the sky (laughs) that 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 didn't happen and if it happens again that's not (laughs) we won't have any of those cool movie experiences it'll just smack us and we'll all be gone like there's not gonna (laughs) be a big you know doom countdown where we're where we're watching it come towards us
0: no, at least we know if it was something like a movie, people would not pull together <laughs> right to right defeat it so that's that's the bright side. Give yourself a sound there we go there we go number something um, I don't know has this been a story in Dallas because it's been a huge one here. the like retail theft,
1: oh yeah yeah we stuff, they they talk about drugs. it on uh. The news, uh, because you know what, it's Walgreens and CBS are all up in arms about it, and, and then it's uh, fucking the fancy store. Uh, what is it? Not Prada, one of those Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton, yeah,
0: yeah, they, they're complaining about it, and uh, of course, oh, the, out no, here- the reason
1: this is big in Dallas is because the mayor of San Francisco. I guess, said, well, we need to reevaluate some of our policing and uh, we need to put more lights and stuff in the streets to help deter crime. And Eric Johnson uh, retweeted that here. Our great mayor of Dallas was like, hey, look, she finally woke up and realized you can't defund the police and you need to put more lights. That's the only way we stop crime. That's why we don't have this type of looting in Dallas because we fund our police officers. So... Yeah,
0: well they they definitely fund them. I mean the LAPD is like rivals um global military. Like their <laughs> their funding is ridiculous. Um you know, they have tanks like not not like APCs and stuff. Like they have actual stuff to go to war. Um thanks Obama. I uh, really appreciate you giving all that out. <laughs> um but yeah, so that this has been like a big big I don't know, crying, crying point. Um, cause the LAPD was actually getting some pressure to reduce their budget. They, of course, didn't get a reduction in the budget, it increased and they still complained about it. And the way that they're handling it is like even minor infractions, like jaywalking, they're sending like six or seven patrol cars, SWAT teams, just to <laughs> make it appear that crime is out of control. Look at us. Um, oh, God. so, the, the thing, though, that, like, I think San Francisco and Oakland, so the, the president, this is like a quote from an article, from an LA Times article, uh, Rachel Michelin, the president of the California Retailers Association, told the San Jose Mercury News that San Francisco and Oakland alone, uh, businesses are losing $3.6 billion a year. To organized retail crime, That's, and that seems would mean a lot.
1: Seems like a lot of money. <laughs>
0: seems like quite a bit. Huh? <laughs> that would mean that retail gangs steal nearly twenty-five percent of total sales in San Francisco and Oakland combined, which am- amounted to around fifteen point five billion in twenty nineteen, according to the state agency that tracks sales tax. But. That figure is estimated from a report also from some retail industry leaders association that published um, that there's around $70 billion in crime related to retail every year. But that includes a uh, retail crime, employee theft, regular shoplifting, and fraud <laughs> uh and how how are the, you
1: defrauding Louis Vuitton I, I don't understand like well no so that's including like the like the
0: businesses themselves committing oh, fraud oh okay okay okay
1: not like so you're trying is, to buy a yeah, bunch yeah. of merch with stolen credit cards or something no no no
0: yeah no this is like the company committing fraud uh which is a huge percentage of it <laughs> yeah and that's where they got the 70 billion and then this person just said well Oakland, San Francisco, let's see, California is about 10% of the nation, and Oakland and San Francisco are big cities, so they're probably, like, most of California, so that's how they got to this number. Um, like, swear to God, they they say this in the article. It was a back of the napkin. Since, yeah, it's, kind it's
1: of. some really good algebra. Uh,
0: but the best estimates actually put retail losses at around 7 cents per $100 of sales. Yeah, I so would say it
1: like is, maybe it's advantageous to estimate it that high because as the, maybe as the um, as the store you can write off the losses. So you want you actually right, want right. A, those things to be skewed way high, so you can be like, oh, we would have act, we would have made a profit, but we lost twenty five percent of our sales to theft. Gotta <laughs> gotta got yeah. write that off. Loss, I mean, it doesn't
0: help that the media just takes the police statements like as fact right right um because the cops are you know complaining about all this stuff and it's like well this is what happens when you don't fund us it's like listen you don't prevent any of this crime <laughs> um but you know just don't buy into the copaganda that they're actually doing anything because they're just trying to complain about this stuff they're feeding more and more of these stories to the media so that they talk about it so that it seems like a bigger problem when like you know It was a story on Twitter that that person had their cash just taken from them at the airport, which it's weird carrying like $10,000 in cash on an airplane, but it's not illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, But civil forfeitures, like the cops taking stuff from you uh, in 2014 exceeded burglary. Oh, yeah. Like in the amount taken. It was over $5 billion Um, and the number of violent crimes in New York and Chicago and pretty much everywhere has been trending down for like the last at least deck two decades. Um, so whenever you see things like murders are up, like across the U S murders were up 25% in 2022 compared to 2019. Uh, but they're down.
1: Right. Like, right. It's, it's always you know. misleading when you do year over year statistics because, uh, 25% increase could mean that you went from, uh, nine murders to 12 murders. Right, right. You know? Yeah, per 100,000. Right, but that doesn't take into account in 1995, there were 70 murders.
0: <laughs> right. Um. But my, my one year-over-year statistic, if they want to compare apples to apples, you know, year-over-year, murders are up 25%. The LAPD killings are up over 114 Right, right, exactly. <laughs> compared to last year. So um, just throw it back in their face, but... uh. Yeah, so this is this is your update on uh, Yet Again Cops Line.
1: Policing in America. Man, I wish I had a... I didn't download the boo sounder. Ooh. Just imagine they said boo. <laughs> boo! <laughs>
0: <clears throat> That's what it sounded like whenever we were at a baseball game and we saw the uh, guy running for governor to replace Gavin Newsom. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he was in the audience. And we were trying to boo, and then we just got outweighed by all the drunk blonde women running to take a He's photo. He's so with
1: him. cute.
0: He is not.
1: <laughs> all right, as promised earlier, um, the the number one album, in my opinion, from from this year is Turnstile's album "Glow On." Um, they're you know if we want to talk talk about the the faith that we might possess on this show um th- this band really returned my faith into uh the idea that hard rock and roll isn't dead like it could actually be a thing that is extremely popular and people still enjoy on a regular basis cuz rock and you know for many years like the past 20 years has kind of been dwindling into a bunch of very small niche genres. And uh, it, the big bands that exist now are the big bands that were around in like the 90s and early 2000s. Those are the ones that are still making like the huge shows. Like there's not been very many brand new, like straightforward rock bands that have come out and then established themselves in the popular scene Um, because most music these days is more geared towards hip-hop and um, dance music and electronic music and that's what the kids like to do at the festivals and stuff like that so you don't see nearly as many huge rock bands at festivals anymore
0: but are you are you including like like punk and hardcore and all that stuff or is are you saying rock is like just the specific
1: yeah I, I, like, well, like punk and parkour hun- punk and hardcore and all those like i those little niche genres of rock music still have their you know their their followings their har- mm-hmm. their hardcore followings but they're not very large groups like if you want to yes. see A rock and roll band that plays like a stadium now you're still gonna have to like get tickets to Foo Fighters or something like that like there's not like a brand new rock band that's going out and selling out stadiums or the headliners at festivals anymore and Turnstile sort of uh, flipped that narrative on its head um, with this last year with this record and I played some of their stuff a few years ago from their first record um, on past the ox. And I just, it's really cool now seeing something that we were like, Oh, this is kind of an obscure band. And like, now it's like, Oh my God, everyone else is asking me, have you heard of turnstile? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard of turnstile. (laughs) They're pretty big. Um, So it's, it's pretty cool how, uh, how much they've come on into the scene and, I'm excited that there's new blood in the rock game, at least on this much bigger level. So this song is called Holiday, and I enjoy it a lot. That's it. Happy Holidays for from Turnstile. That's their holiday song called Holiday off the new album Glow On by Turnstile.
0: Can't wait to hear that. Hear that on K Coast. Your <laughs> K O S T 103.5.
1: There you go. Yeah, no 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 real uh, big uh politically relevant lyrics about wanting to kill people for not stopping climate change or anything like that. This is just some, you know, straightforward you know, rock, rock, rock type of songs where you can just have a good time, and I enjoy it a lot.
0: <laughs> you are a rock fan.
1: I am a rock fan. Dwayne Johnson's just the best.
0: <laughs> he does have an album, doesn't he? I, he might. I'm sure he does. Uh, he definitely does. Um, Yeah, that, that was good. Could you understand uh, those lyrics it. better? Probably not. Uh, the part where he said uh, something about it's a holiday. Yeah, I yeah, you got the hook. There you go. Yeah, and and then he said, "I'll never be cold." Yeah. Or, I don't want to be cold.
1: And I still never feel the cold. And then, uh, and I can sail with no direction. And I can okay. sail with no direction. Yeah. That's pretty ah, much all the words. inflection. He could have used the
0: word inflection there, like, and I can put inflection. Yeah, he could have rhymed a lot of a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll have to take me to a show i'll have to i'll have to find some music to send to you yeah well maybe that's what you gotta we you gotta
1: we'll, we'll find a good show that's at the greek because i want to go to the greek i've never been and uh since it's you know kind of in your backyard kind of close to you
0: <laughs> yeah it is I've never been there, so it's an outdoor venue. I only know it from the famed movie. Um, But that would be, man, that would be a nice trip. We can go to the Greek, then we can go to the observatory. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've always wanted to go up to the observatory, too. How far is this away?
0: This is an estimated. Oh, if we left right now, it would be 1.6 or one hour and six minutes. That's if we take the train. Oh, buddy. If we took the train, it would probably be four days. <laughs> yeah, it's four hours and 13 minutes if we took the train. Jesus. That includes well, buses, too. Uh,
1: why why even have a transit system?
3: <laughs> God. Well, I commute, oh, no, wait, I commute to
1: my job at the Greek. <laughs> it takes me four and a half hours to get there every day using mass transit.
0: Hold on. We can take the Pacific Surfliner, which is an Amtrak. Uh, and then we get to Union Station, which is kind of a cool station. Um, then we can ride the Red Line up to Vermont and Sunset. And then we take a bus up there. So that one's only three hours and 13 minutes.
1: Now, now I really understand why Kobe was always using helicopters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that story, too? That the
1: uh,
0: I don't think there's any disciplinary action for the cops that were showing his oh yeah that were showing body. those
1: chicks at the bar the day after look at all the pictures they just took a dead kobe yeah
0: um and uh unironically i'm sure they were loving it yeah because if you go to a bar that cops go to then you're into that sort of thing Jeez. but yes yeah, i think they're suing him, right yeah i the, i think
1: uh vanessa and the family were suing the lapd over that or the sheriff's i can't remember if it's the lapd or the sheriff's department
0: can't remember they they're both full of gangs yeah um but the head of the sheriff's department uh, is actually in a gang the executioners Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not the type of gang that pull you over and give you a 20 dollar target gift card Uh, they're the type (laughs) that they kill civilians to get their tattoo to be initiated and then
1: they do a tiktok dance
0: and then they do a tiktok dance um so give yourself a wow i would
1: say oh wow okay it's a holiday
0: Good timing. Look at you. My final quick hit. Uh, You couldn't come here without hearing this. Um, Now, I don't follow elections overseas ever because there's no sense in me putting psychic energy into it. Uh, But once the results are announced, it is kind of cool to read up on the new Chilean president. Uh um, Gabriel Boric. So... Chile is an interesting country. Um, you know, they had, like, a ruthless dictator there, uh, Pinochet. Correct me if I'm wrong. I meant to look this up. Is he the one that, like, helicopter rides? Like, is he the guy that would take dissidents up in his helicopter and then just drop, drop him them out?
1: out? That sounds right. And I believe I've... <laughs> I think I just recently watched a Simpsons that referenced that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think... So in the 70s, uh, Pinochet came to power through a military coup and all this sorts of stuff. But the thing that's very, very important, this is why it's my number one quick hit, uh, is when Pinochet came to power, one, he was a ruthless dictator, right? Uh, but two, this is a quote from uh, Robert Pakenham and William Ratliff at the Hoover Institute, a conservative, you know, think tank, so... Take that with a grain of salt. Keep keep in mind that fact as you're listening to their praise for Pinochet. Um, the first country in the world to make that momentous break with the past away from socialism and extreme state capitalism toward more market-oriented structures and policies was not Xiaoping in China, it was not Margaret Thatcher in Britain in the late 70s, or Ronald Reagan in the U.S. in 1981... <laughs> Or any other country in Latin America or elsewhere, it was Pinochet's Chile in 1975. Uh, Pinochet declared that he wanted to make Chile not a nation of proletarians, but a nation of proprietors, and that sounds extremely... we can all be
1: entrepreneurs. We're all small That's business exactly owners. Where I was going. It's the free market can control everything if we just all participate in the free market. Uh, the market will control all, and it it can't be wrong because it's the market
0: yeah it's i mean it's the the pinochet government um they wrote a new constitution when he was in power and it reoriented everything he his main objectives were to um was for economic liberalization uh privatization of state-owned companies and then stabilization of inflation you're hearing a lot of talk now about inflation right even though it is not something that really should <laughs> affect anybody. Um, they want to privatize things. Hey,
1: but isn't I? I just think that inflation and price gouging are synonyms.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they want to privatize things. Um, you know, Biden still has like the same head of the USPS, right? Uh-huh. As Trump did. That well, it's it's tough to get the joy already. out of
1: there because you got to like. There's got to be, like, a board meeting that has to, like, vote him out. And Biden has to place some people on that board so that he can win that vote. And that's just a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Well, he's sleepy. Um, So all of this is to say uh, Chile is, like, what started neoliberalism. Um, But I want to take note that this past election that they had between uh, Gabriel Boric—I don't know if I'm pronouncing names super correctly— um, because again I wasn't invested in this until just looking it up afterwards. Uh but the opponent, Jose Antonio Cast, uh he is somebody this is what it's going to come down to politically. Um the opponent cast has been, quote, described as a far right politician, which he denies, uh, but he's a supporter of former dictator Pinochet. He's called for a firm hand to govern Chile. Has been accused of supporting authoritarianism and xenophobia. He's a conservative that supports law and order and free market economic policies, saying in 2021, the 2021 election was a choice between freedom and communism, between democracy and communism. Yep. Uh, even though communism is uh, democracy, they're, they're, you know, ruled by the people. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. But Cast <laughs> K- has expressed right wing populist positions. He opposes. As he says, illegal immigration, abortion, same-sex marriage, uh, supporting social benefits only for women who are married. Uh, He's concerned with heritage and culture and claims to defend Chile's European heritage Mm -hmm. and the national unity against the left's espousal of indigenous groups and multiculturalism.
1: I'm pretty sure that the original people in Chile are the same people that uh, rode surfboards and rafts to Australia from from indonesia i'm pretty sure they were there way before the europeans
0: well you need to preserve heritage okay um so uh, gabriel or gabriel boric um he won he won with more votes than any other candidate in
1: history in chile so a biden type uh, of win biden style win uh, sure more more votes yeah. than anyone has ever got joe biden that's not because population's going up or anything. No, um, no, it's because he's the most loved person to ever run for president.
0: But they really were voting for Kamala,
1: right? That—that's really what they—they they were really voting for Pete to be the the transportation secretary.
0: <laughs> Listen, he's as a boy he loved trains. Um, never mind that he literally had a boy killed because he removed stoplights in his city. <laughs> Uh, he understands transportation
1: And he knows how to rule rule transportation with an iron fist Much like Pinochet. <laughs>
0: yeah um, An iron grip like he's got on his dog There you go uh, So uh, Boric's priorities real quick are just to include Shifting from private pension system to a public one Pardoning student debt Increasing investment in education and public welfare Healthcare sorry Uh, creating caregiving systems that would relieve the burden on women who do most of the work to tending to children, older relatives, and others. And he's vowed to restore territory to indigenous communities and to support unrestricted access to abortion. So it's just very important to understand that when you have neoliberalism, like I'm not always saying like this certainly leads to another, but when you can see so many parallels along the way, this is where the the lines are going to come down, and if you're someone that invests in elections, this is why you need to understand why when you run a right-wing candidate that just has a D following their name, mm-hmm. you're not going to get any progress. You're only going to be aiding those farther right politicians while they call them a communist and everything like that so they
1: they they called mj hager in texas when she ran against ted cruz they called her a communist and she was pretty much just a republican war hero who couldn't stand trump and so she ran as a democrat um yeah it so you might as well run the most progressive left-leaning uh transformational type of candidate because they're all no matter they're all going to get painted that way it doesn't matter so these ideas of play placating the middle and there's some like ideal centrist american voter and if we could just tap into their hearts and minds that's when we could really bring this country together i i, I think that person doesn't exist i i think that's a uh, a, f- a punditry fiction um where you're just averaging people on the far left and the far right against each other, and then thinking, "Oh, there must be this imaginary person that is the average of these two extremes," when that's just doesn't exist. And any 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 attempt to play towards that non-existent voting population is just losing. I I mean, I would rather I would rather, you know, let's let's throw out the most progressive. Um, radical candidates we can and if we lose those votes to extreme conservatives cool whatever at least we were running people that were advancing positions that were going to change the consciousness down the line in the future and for everyone that we get in we'll have an actual advocate um, for progressive ideas in those leadership positions rather than uh, a placeholder who is just going to be uh beholden to the library interest and everything that all the republicans and everyone are already so
0: yeah i mean like the the notion that like you can't give people things because then you can't take it away is very alive and well in washington so it's sort of a why don't you just start trying to focus on people that actually promise giving things like who is chomping at the bit to get back to paying student loans like If you want to pay off your student loans, you can still pay them off. There's just a freeze on needing to pay them off, right? Right,
1: right. It's not like uh, if you were like really hardcore about, I got to pay these loans off because my parents paid student loans and I wouldn't want to be the first generation to get some sort of free liberal handout, you, you can pay the bank. You can give them the money. <laughs> like, no, one, yeah. <laughs> no one is saying you are forbidden from paying, off the, paying money to this bank. Yeah, I, if you really want to, you can give them the money. I, I, no one's saying you don't. You don't have to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so it's just kind of a you know you don't have to know that you're going to be disappointed. Like I'm sure they're not going to cancel student loan debt because it's Biden. Um, unless unless it's but, some
1: weird executive action that he's just holding for the midterms to like push. Because that's the other thing that's going on is all these stupid uh, games that have to do with, oh, we've got midterm elections. Oh, we want to maintain the majority in the House. Oh, there's a bunch of people retiring. like All this, like, it actually hinders any types of real policy progress because now we have to hold hold all of our, our best plays in reserve. So we're going to, like, push those out next summer for the big midterm push to support our... To support our new agenda. And so instead of like, instead of like stopping student loan debt right now, maybe they're just keeping it in their back pocket so that they can have that, uh, that hail Mary play for the midterms to help push them over the line. If it's getting tenuous or something.
0: And I feel like they're not going to, but they, I mean, that's the thing is like, you could also have elected somebody who was going to have done that on day one, and continue to do things that are good for people. If you continue to do good things, people are not going to forget that you're doing good things. They're not going to vote against that. Um, but that's not the way that their brain operates because they uh, have people like Matt Iglesias giving them advice. <laughs> let's
1: let's radically shift to the center. We're radical <laughs> centrists. No one wants to be a radical centrist anymore. That's the problem with this country. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I had that was that was all my topics. So I guess we got eleven.
0: <laughs> well, here. Okay. Then what's your favorite uh, holiday song? What? Say again. What's my favorite what What's your favorite holiday song? We can end on that.
1: My favorite holiday song. Um. It can be a Christmas
0: song if you want. I'll allow it.
1: Uh. Yeah. You know. I. I can. I can. I'll be a rugged traditionalist. And I'll say, um, I'm a sucker for, um, what is the name of it? I'll be home for Christmas. Something about it, I don't know, it just strikes all the nostalgic chords in in my little child's, in my little child heart, the little piece of it that still exists.
0: Okay, that's not bad. Um, I think my favorite is Christmas Night in
1: Harlem. Oh, I like Louis Armstrong. We're gonna go for the. We're gonna go for that.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, tune those up and uh, play them. Play us out on your own listening device. <laughs> there you go. Because I didn't send this to Josh beforehand.
1: <laughs> uh, there's no way we can fix it in post.
0: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> All right. Until uh, next week, Bone and Kai will be drunk. So listen to us be drunk next week. Happy Christmas. Yeah.
0: Uh, have a nice uh, post-solstice re-emergence of the sun. There you go. All right, till next week. Later.
3: Bye.